Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you, it's Monday. Now, I know what we talk about on Mondays. These are kind of like deadhead Mondays. You know, you got to catch up from the weekend and all the stuff. And man, boy, was there stuff. Uh, of course, I brought a message yesterday morning that I felt was very powerful, very good, uh, very timely. And then we get to church and the power of the Holy Spirit fell on us at service. What a powerful, powerful day. People coming to the altar just... Uh, during worship, it was incredible. The Holy Spirit moving and drawing on hearts, changing lives, encounters with God yesterday. What an incredible time. How awesome is that for a service? It's what we should expect every time we're in the house of God. Literally, that he takes over, that the Holy Spirit moves on us and draws us closer to him. What a powerful time we had yesterday. Uh, was obviously a little deadheaded yesterday afternoon, uh, but man, Got up this morning and, and was in my chair drinking some coffee and just reflecting on some things and actually being kind of dumb. I was getting myself together to go to a physical therapy appointment this morning at 945 and figured, well, I better get myself together and go get ready. And I checked the notes on my phone and, and uh, there was a, a auto, you know, one of those pre-check-in things, you know. So I did the pre-check-in and I realized that's the wrong date. Well, I got to look in, and my appointment's not till tomorrow morning, not this morning. So I've been fretting over it for nothing. So now i got to fret over it some more because i got to go do it tomorrow. Anyway, in the process of all of that, I ran across something that really um, sparked me, drove, had, had brought an interest out. And um, through that, I produced a message here called Foul-Mouthed. I like that. Foul-Mouthed, and it ain't F-O-W-L, like bird mouth. It's foul, like it stinks. Uh, foul mouth. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 26, verse 69 through 75. That's a long chapter, isn't it? Matthew chapter 26, verse 69 through 75, starting with verse 69. Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. So to paint this picture, this is after Jesus has been arrested. He, he's in there being mauled and beaten and cursed and spit on. And this is prior to his death on Friday. This would be like Thursday. Peter's outside. Jesus has already told him, you're going to deny me. Peter was ready to fight to the death for him. But Jesus simply told him, dude, you're going to deny me. So here we find him out in the courtyard. Jesus is inside. Jesus has been arrested. He's in the inner court. And verse 70 goes on to say, but he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you're talking about. Verse 71 says, and then when he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus, the Nazarene. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. Verse 73, after a little while, the bystanders came by or came up and said to Peter, surely you are one of them too. For even our Galilean accent, your Galilean accent gives you away. Verse 74, very important. Then he began to curse, that is to invoke God's judgment on himself. And he swore an oath, I do not know the man. And at that moment, a rooster crowed. Remember what Jesus had told him? And Peter remembered the prophetic words of Jesus when he had said, Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly in repentance. <clears throat> Notice that he said he wept bitterly in repentance. He was sorry for what he had said. Someone shared a reel on TikTok or some sort of social media. It may have been a reel on Facebook. Anyway, they shared this this, this social media post from a, from a, an evangelist. 
And when I first heard it, I thought, man, I'm not sure that this is what that scripture really means. But after listening a couple of times and really getting the guy's point, I decided it might be well worth sharing and maybe digging into the truth of the matter. Matthew 26, 74, then he began to curse, that is to invoke God's judgment on himself and to swear an oath. I do not know the man. That's what Peter said, remember? Well, Kenan Clark, Kenan Clark is an evangelist and an influencer. Very worth your time to go look him up. You can look up his this very reel that I'm going to tell you about on his YouTube channel, as well as many other sermons from him. And I, and I listened to a couple of them today already. This is what he says that got me going on this message. This is Kenan Clark speaking this. When Peter set out to show this person he was not a follower of Jesus Christ, he cursed. He cussed out. Some of us today think that we're being relevant by having edgy language, throwing a few expletives in here and there, just trying to keep a door open so folks don't think we're some kind of weird cookie-cutter Christian and maybe we can slip the gospel in somewhere after tossing in a few F-bombs. Listen, the way Peter made sure this person accusing him of being a follower of Christ knew he was not associated with Jesus, he cussed. Wow. So let me ask you this question. When we, fall, when we allow foul mouth language to come out of our mouths, are we too showing the world around us that we're not associated with Jesus? Now, I want you to think about that for a minute because there's a many of us out here today who believe that once we've given our life to Christ, once we've accepted him, once we've said the little prayer, the little help me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, live in me, Lord, that we can go back to doing whatever it is that we choose. Man, what a lie. What a lie being taught and what a lie we're buying into. That certainly is not the case. Listen to what he just said. He, he said that he made sure that though that the man who was asking him this, he, he, the way he made sure was by cursing. He made sure that that dude knew that I'm not a follower of Jesus and, and he cursed to prove his point. What a message that that sends. He made sure that this person accusing him of being a follower of Christ knew that he was not associated with Jesus. He cussed. Our cussing, our foul mouth, our language speaks volumes of who we are. It's a pretty heavy question that we, can, that we should ask ourselves. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, in doing some research on this, and I believe what's already been spoken is very powerful. I could probably stop right there and just let you chew on that a while. Uh, that, Like I said, the question that I ask is, so when we allow foul mouth language to come out of our mouths, are we too showing the world around us that we are not associated with Jesus? Is it true that life and death are in the power of the tongue? The, the tongue is used throughout Scripture in both literal and metaphorical ways, especially in Psalms, Proverbs, and James. It speaks of these things. Matter of fact, James chapter 3, verse 1 through 10 says this. James chapter 3, starting with verse 1, says, Not many of you should become teachers, serving in an official teaching capacity, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard because we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly. 
Verse 2 says, For we all stumble in sin in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, never saying the wrong thing, he is either a perfect man, fully developed in character, without serious flaws, able to bridle his whole body and rein in his entire nature, taming his human faults and weaknesses. But now if we put bits into horses' mouths and make them obey us, we guide their whole body as well. And look at the ships. Even though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. Verse 5 says, And in the same sense, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See by comparison how great a forest is set on fire by a small spark. What a, what a comparison to our tongue and a forest fire set on fire by a small spark. Verse 6 goes on, And the tongue is in sense a fire. The very world of injustice and unrighteousness, the tongue is set among our members as that which contaminates the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life, the cycle of man's existence, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creatures, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the human tongue. It is a restless, evil, undisciplined, unstable, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Verse 10, out of the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. These things, my brothers, should not be this way, for we have a moral obligation to speak in a manner that reflects our fear of God and our profound respect for his precepts, for his laws, for his ways. The tongue is a small part of the body, James 3, 5. Yet, Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, it has the power of life and death. This holds true whether we're speaking of spiritual, physical, or even emotional life and death. First, we should keep in mind that the word tongue is often a reference to be spoken uh, or reference to the spoken word. We've been talking a lot about speaking the word of God, speaking it out loud. This is a special kind of figure of speech called a meta, meta metonymy. <laughs> I'll get this right here in a minute. These new words in which one word stands in for another closely related word. A common example of a metonymy is seen in this sentence. The White House issued a statement. Well, of course, the White House is a building. It can't issue a statement. However, in this instant, White House refers to our current presidential leadership or maybe our president who actually lives there. In the same way, when Proverbs 15.4 states, a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Tongue is a, is a metonymy. Obviously, a literal fleshly tongue cannot crush the human spirit, but the words of the tongue can. And, and what the words that the tongue produces can be lethal. Let's look at it in a spiritual sense. What our tongue produces has eternal implications, for it reveals what is in our heart. Jesus said the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up in up in him. That's Matthew twelve thirty five, Isaiah fifty nine two and three. Uh, Isaiah places words on par with actions for displaying a sinful heart. It says in verse two, but our wickedness has separated us or separated you from God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He does not hear. 
For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers are in wickedness with sin, with injustice, and with wrongdoing. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wickedness. Matthew twelve thirty six says, Men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. You need to put that on your fridge. Matthew twelve thirty six. Men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. Yikes. And in, in, in ourselves, we are utterly unable to tame the tongue because it is a restless evil full of deadly poison, according to James 3.8. A tongue under control is a mark of the Holy Spirit's power. We've been studying the Holy Spirit in our lives. If, if we have control of our tongue, it is a mark of the Holy Spirit's power in us. Apart from accepting Jesus' atonement on the cross, we will be judged according to our words. For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned, Matthew 12, 37. So what about the physical sense? In order to take Proverbs 18, 1, 18 21 literally, that the tongue can cause physical life and death, we need to maybe tax our imagination a little here. Words create action, good and bad. A judge or jury, by simply saying a word, can cause a person to be killed or to live. Words often save lives. A doctor advises surgery. A weatherman issues a tornado warning. A counselor gives hope for a suicidal person. Conversely, words can also kill. Murders are often initiated because of arguments or verbalized hatred. In the sense of causing action, then the tongue does indeed have the power of life and death. So how about emotional sense? Emotions are powerfully affecting, yet they are vulnerable to injury. James describes the tongue as a fire in James 3, 6. And who has not been burned by it? You ever been burned by someone's tongue? Yeah, it happens. Proverbs chapter 15, 4 describes a healing tongue as a tree of life. As much as love as, as is in action, what would romance be without words? Fellas, go ahead and try to, to be sweet and romantic with your lady this coming Valentine's without using any sweet or lovey dovey kind of words on her. Actually, scratch that. It, it will not go well for you, I promise. Encouragement often comes through spoken words. So does discouragement. Reckless words pierce like a sword, Proverbs twelve eighteen. The wound is emotional and it's deep. What we say can have a profound effect on others. And here's something I want you to consider that this is fresh on the cuff here. I didn't actually put this in my notes. Spoken words can't be retracted. Once they're out, they're out to do the damage they're out to do. You can't take them back. Even if you apologize, the word's already been spoken. The damage has already been done. The wound has already been created. Wounds heal. Yes, we know that. But think of the damage done. Just think clearly. In conclusion to all this, God made us expressive beings. So we are nearly lost without communication. That's why we have audio recordings and Braille for the blind, sign language for the deaf, and writing for anyone who has something to say from afar. You know, speaking of Braille, you ever notice that the drive-up ATM has Braille on it? That's kind of scary, isn't it? Anyway, that's sidetrack. Indeed, speech has enormous implications, especially as a vehicle for sharing the gospel. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, But how will people call on him in whom they've not believed? And how will they believe in him for whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher, without a messenger? 
Therefore, we are commanded to control the tongue, to keep it from evil and our lips from speaking lies. Psalms 34, 13. A Christian's speech should consistently honor the Lord with the tongue. James 3, 9 through 10. We praise our Lord and Father, and, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Man, what a powerful piece of scripture. Summing all of this up, the words we speak carry immense power, much more than we often realize. They can plant seeds of hope and positivity, or conversely, they can sow discord and hurt. This is why Paul in Ephesians 4.29 encourages us to choose our words wisely, ensuring that they align with God's grace and God's love. We've all experienced moments where speaking the harsh truth seems justified, However, as followers of Christ who perfectly embody truth and love, our goal is to blend honesty with kindness. The, the words shouldn't harm or belittle. They should lift up and inspire. Remember, as Christians, we represent Christ, the word through whom all of creation came into being. This gives our words significant power, the power to heal or the power to harm, to unite or to divide. We are called to use our words to mirror the Lord's life-giving and redeeming, redeeming nature. Let's make a conscious effort to speak with grace and kindness in all that we do. Each word we utter is an opportunity to show Christ's love, to be a positive force in a world often filled with so much negativity. We're to let our speech be a reflection of the creative and loving nature of God, bringing comfort and joy to those around us. We need to do our very best to ensure our words today uplift and encourage others. There are many watching us and learning from us. Dads, papas, mamas, and meemaws. Our littles are watching and they're learning from us at all times. So how can we use our speech to reflect the love and the grace of Christ in our everyday interactions? We do so by living according to God's word, thinking before we speak, and determining what impact our words are going to have when those sword comes out of our mouths. Let me pray this over us and with us today. Heavenly Father, as we navigate these dark days, guide our words to be a reflection of your grace. In every conversation, whether it's with a friend or a stranger or maybe someone at church or a fellow Christian, help us to remember the power our words hold. Let them be a tool for good, spreading kindness and encouragement, lifting others up. In moments where we might be quick to judge or criticize, remind us of your mercy. Help us to offer words that heal, not hurt. Teach us to listen more and speak with intention, choosing phrases that uplift and bring light to others' lives. Inspire us to use our voice to comfort those in need, to speak up for what is right, and to share your love in both word and in deed. Let our speech be seasoned with your wisdom bringing hope and joy wherever we go. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. We ask for strength to be a positive influence through our words today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. What a powerful message. What a powerful thought. Learning to use our words positively, knowing the damage that our words can cause. I want to encourage you today, and I know there's times when we are to stand for truth. And there's times truth 
often conflicts with other people's thoughts and feelings. But when we do it according to God's word, with his love, Jesus confronted people all the time. He always confronted sin, but he ministered first. He always shared first. Then he confronted sin, leaving them with the choice. He would often say, go and sin no more. See, he always left them with a choice. It was up to them that they were free to go, but they had to make a choice in their decision. Or things were going to happen according to his word the other way as well. Remember your words. Remember who's listening to your words. You want to be a witness to someone today? They're listening to you always. They're looking for you to mess up because they're going to use that to judge us as followers of Christ. They're going to use it to point a finger at us. See, we're no different than them, which is true. We're just redeemed. We're living under the power of God. And let the Holy Spirit lead you, guide you. Be quick to ask for repentance. Be quick to ask for forgiveness when we screw up, when we fall on our face in front of others. Be quick to bring that back to correction. But live according to your truth. We don't have to live a lie. We live according to God's word. Amen. Wow, what a Monday. (laughs) There's you a message to chew on for the rest of the week. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for following along on our podcast. Thank you for walking with Rhonda and I on this journey that we are on. As God uses us, as he speaks through us, as as we, we spend time as intercessors, we spend time praying for other people, praying for our church, praying for our leadership, praying for the power of God to fall cleanly and fully all over all of us praying for God's provision that we might be better stewards and, and, and better servants to help others that are in need. Uh, we, matter of fact, spent some time praying about that today because we have some needs that have been presented to us that um, right now in our condition, in, this, in the shape that we're in, I'm unable to work right now. God's got to provide for us, but we want him to provide in such a way that we can still help others. Amen. Uh, keep that in mind in all of your giving that, that, that God is using you to help others. that That's uh, that's what we're here for. That's what we're all called to do. Amen. In the same measure in which we give. And it's not just about money. It's about our time, our talents, our gifts. But in the same measure in which we give, God says, I'm going to measure it back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And I'll pour it right into your lap by other men, by other people. So God's blessing us through other people. That's just scriptural. Uh, let God use you today in whatever way that means. Use your words wisely. Seek him in everything we do before we speak. Amen. God bless you guys, Ron, and I love you. We thank you for your giving, for your prayers. Please continue to pray with us and for us as we continue seeking out that which is lost so that they may be found. Amen. God bless you. We'll talk to you again real soon.